0: Today, we're really blessed. We have another guest um, all the way from New York City. New York City? How many remember that commercial? You guys are so old. OK. This guy is an incredible speaker, a sought-after conference speaker around the nation, a, an author. And he just came out with a book. And, and I'm so sorry, but the first two services were so selfish, they bought all the books that there aren't any more. I know, selfish people. But you can go to the website, theheistbook.com, and I'll give this to you at the end of service. Again, you can pick it up when you leave. It's called The Heist, How Grace Robs Us of Our Shame. Oh, it's a great book. You want to buy this for your friends and family members and read it for yourself, but I believe it's going to change your life. They have two campuses in New York, one in Queens and one in Brooklyn. Don't mess with these people from New York, man. You better amen, because these people from New York are crazy. <laughs> Anybody from New York? One of you. Are you his mom? Did you come out? Just to support? Okay, here we go. We, have, we give all the glory to God, right? For everything we do. But we have no problem honoring a man. And we are a church of honor. And by the way, that's why God moves You know, Jesus could not do any miracles in the city where there wasn't honor. So we turn around and we show honor like crazy because we want God to move. Come on, let's stand to our feet today as we welcome this guest speaker, Pastor Chris Durso, all the way from New York City.
1: You know, but stay standing, that was good for me. But can we just take a second right now and give Jesus a loud shout of praise in this place? No, come on, Fellowship Church. I mean, that sounds like how you greeted me, but come on, if you know you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, if you, if you are grateful for your Lord and Savior, you, you're never the same because what he accomplished over 2,000 years ago. Come on, take just a little bit more time right now and give Jesus a shout. Thank you, God. I just, ooh, I feel like I'm at home. I love this. We got it. Loud and rowdy, 8.30, all the safe people come to church at at 8.30. I love this. Uh, Stay standing for one more second because I just, I want to take a second and I want to, I want to honor your senior leadership. Now, I know it is pretty predictable that when a guest speaker comes, he's going to brag on your pastor. Well, good. I'm glad you know that. Uh, You should know that. You should, you should expect that because here's the truth when it comes to honor. Theology tells us that when we make much about a man or a woman of God, what we're actually saying is we agree with God's choice. And by doing so, God extracts glory from your honor. So can we just take a second right now and show our senior pastor how much you love him? Come on, aren't you grateful? We love you. Love you. Thank you so much man, go on ahead and and grab your seat. However, you don't have to stay seated. Uh, All the Pentecostals got that joke. Uh, I'm excited to preach to you this morning, Uh, talk to you just a little bit. I I come all the way from, from Queens, New York, man, born and raised. I'm part of a great church there where for almost 12 years, uh, I did youth and young adult ministry uh, through a ministry called Misfit NYC, and I'm I'm grateful for what God has done and what God is continuing to do uh, through our young people, Uh, but the cool thing about me growing up in my church is that my senior pastors happen to be my parents, so for 12 years, I oversaw their youth and their young adults, and what we saw God do was tremendous and extraordinary, and it just seems like this next season is getting better might be because I left uh, two years ago Um, but they're 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 doing great Um, but for the past two years I've been in transition working with my dad helping him to lead uh, our church and I just got to be honest with you uh, adults you guys are good uh, but young people is where it's at I mean I just I love young people I I miss teenagers what am I suggesting well you guys are boring so um, no, I just, I'm so excited for the next generation. The reason why I say that is because I, I look into this audience and you could just, you could just see the young people all over and it, it, it's just a, just a sign of a healthy church when you see young people that want to be in church. I mean, you know, the ones that were made to come, they're awesome too. Parents, make your kids come. Don't give them a choice. But the ones that want to be here, worshiping up front, man, you just, you know, you're a part of a good church. So come on, one more time. Can we thank God for this house? like pastor said i I do have a brand new book just came out a little bit over a month ago and we've been completely blown away by it just seems like god has breathed on this book and it's just it's been charting and people are letting us know about the testimonies and it's called the heist come on that's a that's a good name right there it's called the heist how grace robs us of our shame and one of the main questions uh, people ask me about this book is, Pastor Chris, after I'm done reading this book, am I going to have a full and complete understanding of grace? To which I say, no, you will not. Because the fact of the matter is, I don't believe there's any man, any author, that could pen a book outside of Jesus that could fully describe how great the grace of God is. I mean, the grace of God, it's just it's too big. It's, it's too deep. But although I don't believe you could fully understand the grace of God, I do believe you could fully receive the grace of God. And that was my goal in writing it. That's going to be my goal preaching to you today, because I just feel like this is a special Sunday. This is not an ordinary Sunday. This is going to be life-altering for many of us, and I just believe that the same revelation that Pastor Sean caught and I caught of the beauty of the grace of God, some of us are going to catch today. So I I want you to open up with me uh, to the book of Genesis, the 29th chapter. The book of Genesis, the 29th chapter. Now, I'm going to be reading from the amplified version, so that may read a little bit differently than yours, but Genesis 29 starting at verse 13 when you're there say there oh okay four of you um well it's genesis people um if you see any other book in your bible you've gone too far okay um just go to your table of contents and flip it over okay Genesis, Genesis uh, 29, verse 13. This is what the Bible says. It says, when Laban heard of the arrival of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him, embraced, kissed him, and brought him to his house. And then Jacob told Laban these things. He says, surely you are my bone and my flesh. Jacob stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, just because you are my relative, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 17. Pay attention to verse 17. It says, Leah's eyes were weak and dull looking. We're going to pause right there, because if you don't understand what the Bible is trying to communicate to you in this moment, you are going to miss a really important fact in the story. The Bible says that Leah's eyes were weak and dull looking what is the bible trying to say to us about this one young lady okay the bible is describing to us the physical attributes of this one young lady the bible is saying this this girl is not the prettiest of girls okay she's there are some that are pretty Leah uh not so much but that that would probably be a a kind way of saying it like the bible says her eyes were weak and dull looking The, the kind of girl that if you stared at for too long your eyes would become weak And dull looking now, I could, some of you women are um, murdering me with your eyes right now. Uh, But you can't be offended by this. Two reasons why you cannot be offended by this. One, it's in your Bible, okay? If you're gonna get mad at anyone, get mad at God. But two, it's the Old Testament. We all know that ugliness was abolished at the cross, okay? You're all beautiful people, you have nothing to worry about. I love it. Now it's okay. <laughs> She's ugly, but I look good. Amen. I receive that. Bible says Leah's eyes were weak and dull looking, but Rachel was beautiful and attractive. This is what you call a contrast, people. It says uh, Jacob loved Rachel, the pretty one. Of course he did. So he said, I'll work for you for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And the Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than another man. Stay and live with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. That's a good place to insert your awe. Yeah, awe. Come on, you could do better than that. Aw, yeah, it's, Oh, young adults love that scripture, by the way. They're like, girl, I'm going to work for you. You know, just, and ladies, make them, make them work for it. Um, so he says, I'll work for you for your daughter. And it, it, it went by quick is basically what the Bible is saying. So it goes on the same verse 21, it says, finally, finally, Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my time is completed so that I may take her. To me, now, I want to pause right there because if you are a single young man, I want to encourage you not to take your cues from Jacob, okay? I have a little girl. Allow a joker to approach me like that. I will cut you. I'm not that saved, okay? (laughs) Queens, people. Queens, New York. Give me my wife. Like, chill out, buddy, okay? So that I may take her to me. Well, it goes on to say, Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast with drinking. But then night came, and he took Leah, a.k.a. weak-eyed one, (laughs) his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, who had intercourse with her. And Laban gave Zilpha, his maid, to his daughter Leah to be her maid. But in the morning, Jacob saw his wife, and behold, it was Leah. You know how the Bible says joy cometh in the morning? not for this guy <laughs> it goes on to say he says to Laban what is this you've done to me did I not work for you all those seven years for Rachel why then have you deceived and cheated and thrown me down like this although this is a beautiful story that so many people love to read as a romance novel I believe it is a great romantic story. However, I I believe there's more to this story than what meets the eye. In fact, I believe that God wants us just to lean in a little bit more today. Not so so much that we could fall in love all over again with our spouse, but so that we could fall in love all over again with Jesus. Uh, I want to take the next few moments, and I'm going to preach to you from this idea of a beautiful Disaster. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot that down. A beautiful disaster. And just pray with me one more time. Father God, we love you. We thank you. Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Rising again. Holy Spirit, would you just move and do only what you could do in this place and speak to your servant. And when we're all done, God, we promise to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, Fellowship Church, can we shout out amen? amen. Come on, amen, amen. I'm, I'm so excited to be here, and I know that we are just getting to know each other for the first time. So I just think that I need to take a second and just let you know a little bit uh, something about me, okay? I am what you would call a church kid, okay? I, I've grown up in church my entire life. Are there any church kids in the house? Come on, you've grown up in church your entire life. Life like that, that was me. I was always in church. It did not matter my age, it did not matter the time, and it did not matter the day. I was in church every day of the week. Okay, Monday, single ministry, I was in church, Tuesday, marriage ministry, I was in church, Wednesday, midweek prayer, I was in church. Thursday bereavement I was in church Friday senior citizens aka the golden age ministry I was in church I was I was in church all the time this is how I grew up and growing up this way I've I've learned uh, some things about being a church kid because when you are a church kid you are really easy to spot outside of church okay you're easy to spot outside of church because, because you say things that no other kid your age would ever say. For instance, let's say we're going to the movies with our friends, our, our worldly friends, okay? Everyone's talking about what they saw in the coming attraction. Man, I can't wait to see the car chase. I can't wait to see the big fight. I can't wait to see the pretty girl. We're the only ones asking, what's this rated? <laughs> Is there a lot of cursing in this movie? is it focused on the family approved is it gonna grieve my spirit like what other 11 year old you know talks like this church kids (laughs) because we had to worry about something that no one else in that theater had to worry about we had to worry about the holy spirit and him telling our parents i remember this i remember this one time uh sleeping over a friend's house now This friend lived in Brooklyn, and I grew up in Queens, so our our homes were miles apart, but it is a small world, so I'm not going to use his real name, so let's just refer to my friend as Satan, okay? (laughs) One day, I stood over Satan's house, and as we're hanging out doing what guys do at a sleepover, y- you know what guys do, right? Like we lie about girls, we eat pizza, we watch Sports Center, we don't take showers. Well, at about 3 a.m., uh, Lucifer decides to pull out a dirty magazine. I know. Because in that moment, when he pulls out that magazine, every sermon that I've ever heard on sexual purity is now reverberating through my mind. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I have to flee from sexual immorality. But at the same time, I'm very aware that I'm a chubby white boy with a bowl haircut in the middle of East New York, aka the ghetto, which means if I leave, I am going to die, okay? (laughs) The more I think about it, I start to feel good because I'm like... Man, I'm about to be the first martyr of the Derso household, okay? I'm I'm starting to feel like Stephen. I'm getting my speech ready, you know? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm I'm feeling like Esther. If I perish, then I perish, you know? It's going to be me for the sake of the gospel. Well, just then, I'm about to make a dash out the door. The, The phone rings. Beelzebub picks up the phone. Says hello, pauses for about three seconds, then looks at me and goes, Chris, it's your mom. It's 3 a.m. It's your mom? Mom. Hey, mom. How you doing? Um, we were just praying. What's going on? And she says, so was I. Tell your friend to put down the magazine. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Stop. Don't clap. Don't, don't. You know what that does to a kid? That will jack you up. Oh my goodness, as a result, I became overly aware of my surroundings and who had what on them and who was going to say what and do what. I became like a professional TSA worker at 15 years old. I was frisking everybody, patting everybody down because God forbid somebody had something on them that could then get me grounded for the next century. Why? Because as a result, I never wanted to be found at the wrong place at the wrong time. And there's some of you in the room right now, you could identify with those feelings. You could understand that mindset. In fact, for you right now, you're trying to figure out why is it that you are even here? Because the truth is, it looks like the right place. It, it feels like the right place. The, the worship is great. The, the people are kind. It, it seems like they have it all together. But for you, it's, it's possibly the wrong time because, because it's, the, it's too close in time to the last time you messed up. It's too close in time to the last time you... You made a mistake, so it's the right place, but for you, you're not sure if you should even be allowed to be here because you are aware of what you did either a week ago, a month ago, or a year ago, and now you're trying to figure out, is God even happy that I'm here, or is he frustrated that I'm here? Like I'm seeing people lift up their hands, but can I lift up my hands? And I see people smiling, but but can I smile? Or, or, or is God just frustrated? Is he annoyed? Is he angry with me? And the fact of the matter is, is if you are thinking about God in this way then you have a very faulty understanding of who God is and how it is that he sees you because your God is not upset at you your God is not angry with you in fact he's not mad at you but he is mad about you when he sees you he sees you with eyes of love when he looks at you he looks at you as His son and he looks at you as his daughter he does not identify you by your mistake. But he identifies you as his creation, whom he loves and longs to be in relationship with. The reason why this is so important that you you catch this right now because until you catch this and until you understand how it is that God sees you he doesn't see you the way that you see you he doesn't look at you the way that others look at you he sees you in a completely different light when he looks at you he sees potential and he sees calling and he sees purpose you have to understand that God thought you up you literally come from his dreams he dreamt you up and then spoke you into existence and here you are asking yourself can i even join a dream team can i even get involved in the church can i even serve in this community absolutely you have to be a part of his dream team because you came from his dream he has called you he has purposed you and he has destined you and the one thing he wants you to understand today is that you were destined before you were born and will not be dismissed because of a bad decision See, the fact of the matter is, is that even when you don't do what God wants, you are still the one that God wants. It says this in Romans and man. I love this verse, Romans 11:2. It says, "God has not rejected and disowned His people, whose destiny He marked out and appointed and foreknown from the beginning." I love that word right there, foreknew. What that means is he knew in advance. He was aware of every mistake you would ever make. Every silly thing you would ever do all the things that you regret the things that you've never told anybody else about He knew about it and still died for you resurrected for you and Purposed you like like he's even aware of the things you're about to do that you don't even know you're gonna do and yet he still purposed you you then have to ask yourself Why would he purpose me? Knowing that I was gonna make those mistakes because maybe your mistakes don't mean as much to him as they do to you so wait a minute wait a minute pastor chris are you you suggesting that that i could just live however i want and do whatever i want and come to church and it's all good no i'm not i'm not suggesting that because the grace of god is not the license to sin but it is in fact the freedom to be forgiven each and every time you do I pointed out earlier that uh, I have children. I have a 10-year-old son named Dylan and a 7-year-old daughter named Chloe. Dylan is a man of God. He, he tells me all the time, Dad, I want to travel the world. I want to preach the gospel. I just want to love on people. And, and Chloe, who's 7 years old, she just recently got saved. Amen. Um, because we, we, we were concerned. But um, a couple of nights ago, I was putting them to bed. Dylan. Dylan. Uh, Says, Dad, can I just stay up a little while longer and watch one more show? I said, no, son, you you got school in the morning. I, I love you. It's time to go to bed. Turned off his television, kissed him goodnight, and then I went to bed myself. Only to wake up a few hours later to the sound of the television coming from Dylan's room. Popped up out of bed, walk on over to his room, and there before me is my son. Laid out on the bed with no shirt on and his hands behind his head like a boss, okay? (laughs) This kid had the fan on and the air conditioning on like he pays bills, you know? (laughs) So I walk in the room and I go, Dylan, what are you doing? I thought I told you to go to bed. Well, immediately he rolls out the bed, he gets on the floor and he says, Father, forgiveth me. Do not casteth me out of your presence. I got so frustrated with him. I picked him up. And I said, Dylan, stop speaking in King James. You know? I said, son, I love you. And I forgive you. But it's time to go to bed. Well, What happened next was, was frustrating for me as a parent. And only if you're a parent can you now identify. Because the fact of the matter is he was just crying. Like, like, for real crying, not like crocodile tears or it was just a little damp. I'm talking about 90s R&B, boys to men, end of the road, my baby just left me crying, okay? Like, like I don't know why this is my posture for crying, but it is. And then all of a sudden, the tears, they vanished. And he was, he was happy. (laughs) We don't like that, you know? It's like, like, it's, it's like you're happy? Like, do do you respect me? Like, as a dad, I want to know that you fear me and you reverence me. Like, I'm I'm glad you know that you're forgiven, but, but I need a break between your crying and your happiness. It's kind of like the whole eating and going in the pool thing. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta, you gotta give it a break. (laughs) However. Dylan, as a child, has a better understanding of forgiveness than most Christians I know. He understands that at the moment he says he's sorry, at the moment he apologizes, he is forgiven. And if he is forgiven, then there's no more need for him to cry. There's no more need for him to sob. There's no more need for him to act downcast or belittled. Why? Because he knows that he's forgiven. And who the son forgives is forgiven. Who the son frees is free indeed. And there's just somebody in the room. You've been struggling and you've been questioning and you've been on this faith path journey for a minute, but you can't get over the mistakes of your past, or the mistakes from the last marriage, or the mistake with your child, and, and as a result you you feel like you've ruined your life, but the fact of the matter is, is if you think this way, then you do not understand what it is that Jesus accomplished for you when he died on that cross and rose again, oh because when he died he was aware of your sin he was aware of your mistake he was aware of your mess up, and he He says, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to take care of it so that you don't have to. So then, friends, the question you have to ask yourself is if you are walking around with this shame, what is it you actually believe about the cross? How powerful is the cross? Is it really finished? Because you keep talking about it. Is it really finished because you keep posting about it? Is it really finished because it comes up in every conversation and you start off the conversation like I know he forgives 70 times 7. I know he says that I could come to him. But like if you found the disclaimer in your mess up, how narcissistic of us to believe that we're the only ones that accomplish the only unforgivable sin?" Friends, you have to understand that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He didn't just wait for you to come to him. He came to you so that you can come to him. In the New Testament, there's the story of a man named Zacchaeus. I love this story of Zacchaeus. I'm, I'm not sure why I love it so much. Maybe it's because the Bible describes that he was short and I identify. Um, oh, wow. Thanks for laughing at my pain. Um, it's insecurity I have. It's why we wear heels. Anyway, the Bible says that, that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, if you know anything about tax collectors, they were infamous for overtaxing the people on the land in which they lived in. And they would, they would basically rob them and steal for them and take the money from them for themselves. And the government was aware of it, but they allowed it to happen. So they were like certified thieves. So Zacchaeus hears that, that Jesus is going to be in town and Jesus has this reputation of, of being a special guy. And he thinks to himself, this guy has way more Twitter followers than I do. I'm going to go check him out and see what he's all about. See, I don't think Zacchaeus was really looking to engage with Jesus. He just wanted to check him out. So he climbs a tree so that he could watch Jesus from a distance. Well, ever before Jesus starts to teach, he starts to teach. Because he walks straight up to that tree, and he calls out Zacchaeus' name. He says, Zacchaeus! Zacchaeus! Can you imagine, like, what's running through the mind of Zacchaeus, like? Probably felt like junior high school all over again, you know. Remember in junior high school when someone that you didn't really know, or someone that you thought didn't know you, was saying hi to you, and you're like, "Are they saying hi to me?" Because like, if I look right now, I'm, I'm gonna look stupid, you know. Like, he didn't say my name; he probably said another name, like like Zena, you know, or, or Zeus, or or Zaniqua, buddy. Didn't say Zacchaeus. Jesus says Zacchaeus, come down from the trio, I want to come over to your house for dinner, which by the way, uh, anyone here have any of those friends that just invite themselves over for dinner, you know, well, if you're not laughing, it's probably because you are their friend, it's all good, it's, it's not a big deal, you're, you're like Jesus, you know, it's great, it's, but Jesus comes over to this man's house for dinner, now, we don't We don't know how the dinner party went. The the Bible doesn't say, but if we could just use our creative license for a moment, can can you imagine what that felt like for Zacchaeus? Like, who who does he even invite to this dinner? Because, Because just... Just all his friends are probably just like him. I mean, birds of a feather flock together. So he's thinking like, oh, my goodness, if, if my friends are there and then Jesus is there, they're, they're probably going to mention something or, or talk about last weekend, which I don't even remember, but they obviously do. He's probably thinking, why does this guy want to come over my house? Doesn't he know what I've done? Doesn't, doesn't he know what I do for a living? Doesn't he know that I'm a robber? Doesn't he know that I'm a thief? But then I could imagine Jesus listening in on the thoughts of Zacchaeus. I could imagine him thinking, Zacchaeus, you don't think I know who you are. You don't think I know what you do. I, I know exactly what you do. I know exactly what you've done. But don't get too ahead of yourself because, I mean, yeah, you're a robber, but, but you're, you're a small-time robber. You're, you're a petty thief. In fact, if you really wanted to learn how to rob someone, you should watch me because I'm about to pull off the greatest heist in history. I'm about to rob death of its sting. I'm about to rob the grave of me. I'm about to rob all humanity of their sin, past, present, and future. Oh, Zacchaeus, if- if you've known what it is that I think of you, if you understood how it is that I've seen you, you would understand that Zacchaeus, I'm, I'm not repelled by you. I'm, I've been compelled to you. You're the, you're the reason why I'm here. You're the reason why I showed up. You're the reason why I even came to this place. So please don't, don't climb a tree so that you could watch me at a distance because I'm about to climb a tree myself. That's going to destroy this divide, friends. You have to understand that that when he looks at you, he loves you. And when he sees you, he sees you as his child. He doesn't see you as your mistake. And this is going to be liberating. It's not only liberating for those that are about to join Dream Team, but it's going to be liberating for those that have been serving. Because for some of you, this is why you serve. You serve because you are working for approval. You are working to to get God's attention because you are aware of everything it is that he's done for you and now you're thinking to yourself, I have to figure out a way to prove to God that I equally love him just the same. But, But then that would suggest that you have to work for the grace of God. And friends, you don't have to work for the grace of God because the cross worked the grace of God. It ignited the grace of God. How do I know this? It takes one to know one. I mean, since we're being honest, this is how I grew up. And I don't know why I thought like this, but I thought like this. I only thought like this because there was something innate. I never heard my parents teach it. I never read it in the Bible, but there was something on the inside of me that said, for real, all I have to do is confess with my mouth and believe in my heart and I'm saved. That sounds too good to be true i'm from new york you're not getting over on me that quick <laughs> mom always says if it sounds too good to be true then it must be and i would think to myself i don't want to get tricked in the end the story i opened up with i remember reading that story as a teenager and thinking to myself god when when my time is completed, am I going to get tripped? See, the number seven means completion. I would say, God, when I complete my time, Whenever that is, I, I just want to be with you because I'm, I'm already convinced that the world doesn't have what I need, and I'm convinced that this place is jacked up, so I'll do whatever it is I have to do while I'm here, whether it's 100 years or 200 years, also that I can spend eternity with you. So as a result, as a result, this is why I prayed, this is why I worship. this is why I read. But friends, the issue with that approach... Is that everything I did, I was doing out of a need for approval. As opposed to knowing that I was already approved. I was fighting for victory. As opposed to fighting from victory. And then God pointed out to me, Chris, if you're Jacob, then you're suggesting that I'm Laban? I said, no, God think you're a trickster. I don't think you're a swindler. You wouldn't do that. And he pointed out to me, you've been focused on the wrong character. Chris, you're the other one. You're the one with the weak eyes. You're the one that can't see straight all the time. You're you're that one. See, friends, I realized and in reading this that I was focused on the wrong character I realized that I was the one with the messed up eyes I was the one that was hard to look at I was the bride that no one wanted to pay attention to but then what the grace of God pointed out to me is that although I'm Leah when God looks at me He sees me as Rachel although I'm ugly The grace of God says I'm beautiful. Although I'm weak, he says that I'm strong, even though I make mistake after mistake after mistake. He says, Son, you are forgiven. Even though I feel like a failure, he says that I'm more than a conqueror, friends this is the beauty of the grace of god it's not working for it it's receiving from it and he says who's forgiven is forgiven and if you receive me then you would receive everything it is that i have for you there's someone in this room that you need convincing today because you've only hoped this to be true you've only suspected it to be true you kept your fingers crossed as you heard the sermons because it sounds too good to be true but friends that's why it's good news because even though it sounds too good to be true it actually is and my prayer for you is that just like Paul you would be able to say, I am convinced, no more I speculate, no more I hope so, no more possibly, but no, I am convinced that nothing in all this world could separate me from the love of Jesus, my Christ and my Lord. Neither height nor depth, neither angel nor demon, neither past nor present, nor anything else can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what mistakes you've made. Please understand that no mistake, no mess up is too big, too great that can keep you from this love. Today's the day that that all changes for the believer and for the one that now believes. Can I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads? Because before I pray for everyone, I, I want to be able to pray with a special group that's here today. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if, if up to this point you don't consider yourself a Jesus follower, then I need you to take advantage of this moment. I'm the count of three, and if that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. One. Jesus loves you, and he died for you. Two, the Bible promises us that tomorrow, it's not promised to anyone. But he does encourage us to take advantage of today. In fact, he says, this is the day of salvation. So if that's you, you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then lift up your hand right now. Three, lift it up. Jesus, we see you. We see you. We see. We see. We see. We see. We see. We see. We 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 Can I ask all you to repeat this prayer with me? In fact, let's all repeat it together. Say, Jesus, Jesus you, are King, you are King and you are Lord. You are Thank, you Thank you for dying for me for trás, for and rising again. For rise, Would you forgive me of my sins and my sins all my mess ups? I love you. I give my life to you, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, name, amen. amen. Now, can you just take a second with me? If you are grateful for not only the decisions that were just made, but the decision that Jesus made to die for you, I got a few seconds left. Can we just give Jesus a loud standing ovation in this place, giving him all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Come on, Fellowship Church, give Jesus a shout in this place.